Okay. Uh, hi, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Santa Scene. That's a podcast. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Jackson, and we have Rumble here, as well as Justin Galler from Till Now and Stereographed. What's up? H- how are you doing today, Justin? Uh, fantastic. Just getting home from work. Uh, getting ready to go over some material for this uh, St. Patrick's Day show I have coming up and just trying to wind down a little bit before getting busy again. Awesome. Uh, what, what do you do for work? Uh, so actually, I've been with Publix for like 10 years. Um, I was uh, After I graduated high school, I was going to college. And uh, in between uh, the first band I was in and uh, um, going to college, I kind of worked there part time. And then after I kind of stopped going to college to pursue music more seriously, I just kind of kept kept doing that. And, you know, it's been a good company. I can't complain. Um, But, yeah, it's fun. I work in the produce department, so I'm always handling the fruits and the veggies, making things look fresh. So that's what I do in the morning. So you'd be tossing the salad? (laughs) <laughs> be tossing the oh salad, my tossing the god <laughs> <laughs> you know it this already went so downhill <laughs> <laughs> nice nice i guess it's only up from here possibly <laughs> you can only get better <laughs> yeah i mean i've heard Publix is a really good place to work for like they got crazy good benefits and pay and shit yo so real real thing um we just had a lady retire in our department 48 years with the company and her uh, husband was like a buyer. So he worked like a long corporate and all that. Anyways, she had the department over for her retirement party. Yo, these guys live like near like the Sasta Lake off in a nice neighborhood. They got the RV. They got a small like golf course in their backyard. They got the pool. They got the jacuzzi. They had a bartender out there with the grill and the big old like bot dude. It was insane. And I'm like, she retired a millionaire, I bet. But yeah, it's a good company. So uh, definitely uh, if this music thing uh, doesn't tend to uh, make its course, I'll, uh, you know, just chill there and uh, get those stocks going, you know? (laughs) Hell yeah. So, uh, till now is your current project. Uh, how did, how did you get involved with that? Cause I know it's kind of Aaron, the, the singer and guitarist baby, I believe. Um, yeah. So Aaron is a solo artist who is from Pennsylvania and he moved down, uh, St. Pete area, I think a couple years ago. And, uh, he, all his originals, it's all him vocals, guitar, bass, drums. Dude is insanely talented a mastermind when it comes to just mixing and recording. He, he does it all. So uh, I, I was in Stereograph and I was kind of looking to add another band into my repertoire um, just to, you know, keep shows going, keep, uh, keep content coming. And uh, I saw him share a post saying, hey, looking for uh, a drummer and a bassist to make a till now a, a more of a full band type thing. And uh, I, I have seen Aaron like in the area or like saw his posts um, you know, Nate Mosley, who's another fantastic artist. He does a lot of solo gigs, kind of like in that realm where they, they play those shows. Um, so I already knew of him and uh, I reached out to him and he's like, yeah, man, like, let's let's get it going. Uh, he checked out some of my content and he liked what I was doing. So he had, I think, five, six originals that we learned and two covers. And we played our first our first show with um, Eric, who was on bass. Um, and uh, it, it was awesome. Went smooth. 
Um, and we just been kind of me and him have been doing some duo gigs uh, at Hula Bay, uh, Green Iguana. Uh, I think we have some Disney Springs shows coming up. We're trying to get that solidified. But really, Disney just been, Springs. Yeah, right. At a, what was it? Splitsville, I think, is the bowling alley, which in my mind, I just picture like that Disney Channel show, uh, Alley Cats, where they're in the bowling alley. And just yeah, just yeah. <laughs> that's what I imagine that's going to be like. But uh, no, he Aaron stays super busy. And the fact that he's kind of like allowed me to hop on this project with him and just just add my own little flavor is, is awesome. We have a fun time playing shows, uh, cracking jokes, making content. Um, so it, really lucky to have found, um, till now and to be able to, uh, to work with them. Yeah. I didn't even know Disney Springs was a place you could just go play, man. Right. So, I mean, and that's the thing, like some, some places have noise ordinance or like the villages, the villages have all these awesome little like shop bar areas, but they're definitely like a old time chill type vibe. So they don't want no right. like punk ass rock band coming in there making noise. But, yeah. uh, but Disney Springs has a lot of just cool stuff going on. So it would make sense to have a little bit of live entertainment, live entertainment out there. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. That's fucking badass, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned, uh, till now, um, kind of being a bit louder and stuff than what would apply to some areas what what would you describe uh till now's music style as like if somebody came to a live show oh man like it's it's always hard because people want to know like your sound but a lot of people just say oh we sound like and give a band name so i mean whenever whenever anyone asks me you know what do you guys sound like i tell them we're a mixture between like movements and jimmy eat world if that makes sense like we have like kind of like those sad boy like emo type riffs but then we can really pump up and get the energy going with some more like poppy bright courses. So um, right now he's, I know he's working on some new stuff and uh, it's very uh, intricate melodic with some of the uh, riffs and the verses. Um, so I would say it's something that you can cry to, but bang your head at the same time. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can definitely see it like, um, I can definitely hear the movements influence, but I also feel like a lot of the songs are a bit hopeful, which yeah. is kind of closer to like Jimmy Eat World or whatever. I can't think straight, but yeah, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool to see um, like you have, I guess now, like I'm myself, I'm 30, I'll be 30 in June. So coming up in the music scene uh, as a kid, listening to you know blink 182 jimmy eat world nirvana you know all these bands that are just so iconic now uh it's really interesting interesting to see these newer uh bands even kids who are maybe you know 10 five years younger than me and they're saying like oh yeah my influences are you know blink 182 or the ramones or the doors or all these older bands that like were out way before us and it's insane just to see how music sticks around and involves. And now you have these fresh new artists kind of putting their own twist in it, but calling back to the things that have paved the way for what we're doing now. It's, it's really cool. So to have, have a, have a, a, um, a band described as movements in Jimmy eat world. To try to look, look towards like, Oh, okay. You know, you have, you have current sounds, but you know, 
you have like this old school vibe. I don't know. It's music is so interpretive, man. Like people, you can take a song and play it and someone be like, Oh yeah, that was really happy. I love that. And then it turns out it's a super sad song. Like, um, a popular one, uh, "Hey Hey Ya" uh, by Outkast. That song oh, yeah. is about it is about family breaking up. But he even says, "Oh, y'all don't want to hear me; you just want to dance." Because the sound is so so happy and poppy. Oh no, I love that. So I try to I try to give a good contrast. We're a little bit of sad, a little bit of happy, you know. Man, if I didn't know any better, I would think you're describing sending the loot. There, hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um. But but like with the more movements influence, it's definitely a lot more. Um, it gives it gives Midwest emo kind of vibes. Like like it's it's like modern baseball or hot mulligan, but with the distortion cranked up a little bit more. Oh, for sure, yeah. Hell yeah! It's funny that you say that because we uh we just played uh daily day lily by movements uh at a uh, hot wax and ebor. And uh, we're getting ready for a uh, uh, emo night at Hooch and Hive. And Aaron was like, "Hey, man, you wanna you wanna add Daylily onto the set list?" I'm like, "Heck yeah, I do!" It's just such a I don't know. Oh, I love that nice song. Sound. Yes, it's such a nice sound. So I feel Wait, like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. I was just gonna say I feel like um, the new songs that Aaron's gonna be putting out um, are definitely gonna have that more of that midwest emo type vibe because he's been he's been making these videos where he'll take you know a, a, an emotional part of a tv show or a movie and he'll put a rift over it and people are are loving it they're eating it up because i feel like you can take something that's already emotional it's already something that you perceive as this is this is heavy and you add more emotion onto it it's just it's great so i think he's really taking inspiration from that and putting these in the next song so i'm, I'm really excited to to see what comes from that Yeah, I mean, that's really cool. I I um like I know um I know Aaron does the Midwest emo um t- uh, like t- covers for reels and TikToks and stuff. But I I didn't I didn't want to get too far down that rabbit hole cuz this, <laughs> this is this is about you today and I'm going to have Aaron on another day. So like I do um, if you have a question. Sure, sure. Uh when are you playing at the Hoochin' Hive? Uh, I think that's the April 1st show for their emo night. Oh, damn it. You got a gig? I've got two gigs coming up at the Hoosier Hive. I was hoping it was one of them. Oh, that would have been awesome. No, nah, man, we had to get together and plan something. I know uh, Volt DIY is pretty cool at planning your own shows. They're kind of kind of in a weird spot as far as locations, but we've yeah. always had a fun time playing there. But definitely, yeah, we'll have to link up and, and get something going for sure. Dude, I am... I am a little bit concerned about um, <laughs> about about the vault because uh, and just to make this clear, this isn't me throwing shade at anybody. That nah, has yeah. nothing to do with that. Um, I I was on Facebook earlier and I'm friends with uh, one of the guys that works at the vault. Uh, his name's Steve. Uh, Steve yeah. is super duper cool. Um, and he posted uh, something that said like. Um, Hey, we need another band to play the closing show at the vault. I was like, "Holy shit, are oh, they no. shutting down?" Like, I yeah. I don't know if that's what that meant, but I'm fucking I'm scared, man. I I don't want to lose uh, that. Post. 
it's good too but i know the other guy i think his name is drake he does actual yeah i think he actually plays in a band so i know he's busy doing stuff so i mean it sucks because it's definitely a it's definitely a nice spot to play and the guys are cool but it is a weird spot to be in you kind of like park off to the side of like this bank and you're on like the side of the road and there's like what like yeah dude kids park kid parking spots and that's it (laughs) so yeah, hopefully they can relocate and get like a better spot going and, and keep that energy and keep that that uh, presence because that it's a great spot and people just love coming out just to hear the music. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I really hope so. That that place genuinely means a lot to me. Yes. Like, um, yes. when Send and Delete's album came out, we uh, that that's where we had our album release show and it was a blast, dude. Like, right. man, I I've lost too many venues. <laughs> you know, I can't lose this one <laughs> yeah, too. It was- local there was like what local i don't know what was down uh in st pete uh, shoot what was it there was a, there was a venue down st pete then you had the goat goat house and uh what Bradenton, sarasota and then uh, there was one more oh i mean the orpheum moved it's it's still good it's kicking it's all right i like it better than evil yeah. but yeah we're having a, a i feel like really about is bands it's about having a good venue that bands can play where it's not like a bar or like you know a big name venue that you need to sell 50 tickets just to fill up because for local bands i mean that's 50 tickets is it's it's a decent number you know so to to project that number constantly you know it's it's it can be a struggle so i feel like there needs to be places like the volt diy or even um um the noise box, those places, those guys are super chill, super awesome. Definitely more catered towards the hardcore and metal scene, but those mm-hmm. guys are are on top of just communicating and 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 uh, promoting and just being active in the community. So, and the vault, the vault, I felt like did that too. So that's what we really need is just more active venues and active promoters uh, yeah. being there for the musicians. Yeah, I feel like. Um... One thing I think is really cool is that about the new Orpheum is that you have the stage on the inside, which is more so for local bands and like some of the smaller touring acts or if they didn't sell enough tickets or whatever. And then you have the stage outside, too, for like the national, like the big acts, like the uh, Fit for a King type bands and stuff like that. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool because it's easy. It'd be easy for like a big venue like the Orpheum that has like prestige, the prestige to the name to be like, yeah, you know, if you're not like an established band, you can fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like kind of like how Janice live is from what I know. And I've right. heard crowbar can be kind of hard to get a hold of if you're not somebody in the scene already. So and see, I think- that's the thing. Crowbar, they, they, but like under oath had their farewell tour there. However many years ago, and that place was absolutely packed. It was, and they have like a little outdoor patio area, or whatever. I've seen Currents in there. Uh, I've seen uh, Emery in there, and like the place, the place gets packed. It's a, it's a, it's a nice venue. But I'm like, how mm. can you justify only having these like, you know, touring bands come in when this is like the perfect spot for more local bands? I don't know whether whether it's a a, a group of people or someone who can come in who has a connection that. I wouldn't say just strictly books local bands, but it has that outlet to where if a band is doing well or they are 
working on a release or they have a touring band come in. It's more catered towards these smaller shows, um, which sadly at the end of the day, it's all about revenue. So we got to do what we can to keep those numbers up. Right. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. I just mean like, like I'm down in Cape Coral by Ollie's pub, like right down the street from it. And I talk to bands all the time. They're like, yeah, I want to play at Ollie's, but all the pictures I've seen, it never looks full. Oh, and, and oh, like, oh, and like, um, and I'm just like, well, don't you have control over that? It's not really Dude. the venue's responsibility to draw for you. I've seen bands that have like a hundred followers on Instagram pack the place to Ollie's and I've seen bands that have like 3,000 followers play to two people if people dig your shit and your vibe they'll come out like I don't really get the whole blaming the venue for not drawing thing no it's only it's only a thing where like I feel like if a venue like I know they recently changed like the whole Facebook thing where like you have to co-host an event and that way the venue and the band see it and all that but uh, if if a venue to me, like, let's say, uh, I won't say any names, but there's been promoters that have booked in the area that have literally came and say, hey, do you have bands to put on this list? Yeah, here you go. Hey, can you make a flyer for us? Okay, yeah, here you go. Hey, can you make sure to post that flyer? It's like, dude, you're the promoter. What are you like? Why are you having us do all your work and then not even yeah. show up to the show? to like so it's it's a catch-22 and then you like you have some venues that like yeah you know they they promote some bigger shows and all that but when it comes to local shows they're like oh they're not going to draw that many people out so there's no need to promote it okay well like your platform has a different audience than let's say the band who has a hundred followers who invites the same hundred people out to the same three venues they play it's almost like where do we find that new market where do we find that new draw where the bands may not have that reach because i mean Thing, like I, I thank my friends and my family every time for any likes, shares, coming out the shows, whatever, because they they are literally the ones that are supporting the the the, the takeoff, the small the small shows. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, you kind of feel guilty. Hey guys, here's another show. Hey guys, here's another show. And they just came out the past two weekends. So it's like, where where do we find that new pool? That new um. Uh, area to to promote and i feel like that's where promoters have that that ability to say oh well i know how to get in over here i know how to promote over here and it's a little bit of a teamwork that's why we kind of like you know pay you or that's why you know we give you cuts so that way we are building together and the more bands mm-hmm. they're active with the more they have people coming to them saying oh i know you can get shows you know can we work out a deal um and like i said it's not so much i would say the venues the venues have their own all their own things going on whether it's uh their employees the the products they sell um booking the bands as far as like working with different tour packages so by by no means am i uh trying to like ditch the this on the the venue saying oh you guys thing you know you have people who people who come with the products and then you have people who want to put that product on the shelf so the it's the venue's you know responsibility to put that product on a shelf to where it's kind of appealing to bring people in to buy that product. Um, but don't get me wrong, bands, bands all day, every day have every means to promote, share, uh, send messages, emails, websites, all this stuff. The, the, the power that I feel like musicians have now 
it's so insanely overwhelming than what they had back in the day. Well, you have like a mixtape, you go to your radio station, hey, can you play this? Someone hears it, luckily, you know, whatever. But now we have TikTok, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, all these different things to just promote, 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 promote. Um, it's almost like an excuse to not bring people out to the show um, on the band's end. So I don't know, it's, it's a catch-22 on, on both sides, I feel like. And when you find a good venue or you find a good promoter who really sits down and, and well, I wouldn't say sits down, but really communicates what they expect from you and what they need and you deliver, it just makes, it just makes the show that much better. Um, and then also having a great crowd that comes out and just loves hanging out and partying. So there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I feel like the, the more you're active on your end and the better attitude you have, the better the outcome is. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I oh. Yeah. I think you're definitely right. Uh, I, I think that, I don't know. My, my biggest issue with being a musician uh, in the local scene and whatnot is just how unpredictable it is because there are times where you could do absolutely everything right and still like three people are going to show up to your show you know <laughs> but, yeah. that's i feel like that's just part of it also i really don't fuck with promoters like in, in large part i don't yeah uh, and, and for a lot of the points you raise you know like how much how much um ability the musicians have nowadays and how much like access they have, you know, like social media. You, know, you can you can uh, get all your followers to see something if you want to. Exactly, exactly. It's just sad because, like, you know, I've been slowly getting a, a small number of followers on TikTok posting just just um, me drumming, not no no covers, things like that. Just me improvising, doing whatever. And it's mm -hmm. cool to see, you know, I get a follower here, a follower there. Um, and then, you know, you start promoting that way. But then you look at, you know, other people or other venues that have like thousands of followers or like, you know, tens of thousands of followers. And you're like, oh, man, they must be like raking in so many like ticket sales. And in reality, it's probably the same thing. They probably have like three or four people coming out. So, it's, yeah. you know, it's 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 funny. It's funny just to see like, you know different i guess venues or different bands and different settings because you'll have a band that will maybe sell out a venue and then they'll go to another place and there's like maybe like 50 people there so uh, yeah it's, it's there's a lot of uh, a lot of factors into it but that's what makes music so fun man you can have you can have a sold out crowd and they're just there just to be there but you can have mm. like 10 people in front of you and they are just going nuts and you feed off that energy so i don't know man uh, oh yeah, because you know that at those shows where you got ten people watching you, those ten people are like your biggest fans in the world. Hell yeah, hell yeah, those are the rock star moments right there for sure. Hell yeah. <laughs> One thing I think that really goes into it as well is like the location of the venue, because I've been at shows at Crowbar where I've seen people just poke their head in or like, oh this is cool, because like there's. There's always gonna be a shit ton of people at Ebor on Friday and Saturday nights, and mm -hmm. the same thing happens at Ollie sometimes too. Like if there's like Bike Week or something, people will just poke their head and be like, "Oh, this is really cool. I'll check this out." So like, yeah. I feel like that's one thing that the Orpheum may be missing out on when it comes to local shows is that like you kind of have to know about a show. You can't just show up or whatever and walk past it because, you know, it's right next to, like, a CarMax or some shit. Like, you're not going <laughs> to be walking down Nebraska Avenue. Like, right. I feel like Ebor could actually use, like, a hole-in-the-wall, like, Ollie's uh, If I Rude the World 
like size venue for like the smaller smaller bands because it can be kind of unforgiving i think to like play at the brass mug because even if like at the brass mug if 50 people show up it's still gonna look fucking empty yeah Yeah, that's a that's a big music hall for sure and it's kind of like off i wouldn't say off in the cut but i mean it's somewhere where you really wouldn't necessarily go to like go out if that makes sense like you're down ebor they're gonna find something but this one, yeah. like you got you got to know where the venue's at. Same thing with the Orpheum. So yeah, location has a lot of thing to do with it. Um, I remember the first show that the Orpheum, well, not the first show, probably one of the first shows that the Orpheum had when they moved. Um, it was uh, Alpha Wolf, uh, Invent Anime, and oh, I, I was I'm, it like Monster Flames? Maybe, maybe, but the the AC wasn't working, and it was it was miserable. But everyone was packed in there going ham so like even in some of the worst conditions like you know if the crowd is really about it they'll come so it's it is really just random seeing like a nice venue nice and big and it's just empty yeah i uh that reminds me i was at i was at the um the crown the empire and i think drugs show Oh just, yes, oh. <laughs> and at, at Janice Live, and it the place was fucking packed from side to side. And if you've been to Janice, you know that's some massive yes. fucking area. And it started just pouring down rain during drug set, and it was just so fucking sick because everybody was so into it. Of course, some people left, but yeah, like yeah. everybody was just moshing and jumping around and having fun. And and like the performers were super into it too. It's just something surreal about just suffering with everybody else through music. <laughs> yes, yes, for <laughs> sure. The not so fun part is having to drive home and soaking wet clothing for two hours. That <laughs> pruny, pruny cold, and just and by the end of it, your clothes weigh an extra like ten pounds, so you feel like you're just being drugged through the mud. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, well, anyway, um, yeah, but, um, so you have an endorsement with Collision Drumsticks, is that correct? Yes, yes, they are based out of the UK. That's sick as fuck. Rumble, if you were to be endorsed by one music company, what would you be endorsed by? Oh, man, that's tricky. Um... I would really want to be endorsed by Ernie Ball because, man, <laughs> the, the most the most annoying part about being a musician is buying packs of strings. Yes. Holy shit. Especially bass strings. Like, I talk to guitarists about how annoying it is to have to buy new strings. And they're like, oh, man, it's not that bad. What is it like? Ten <laughs> bucks? No, dude. No, it's not. For bass strings, I'm buying <laughs> I'm buying Ernie Ball Cobalt bass strings. Those are like nice ass strings. Yeah. That's what like that's what like Mike Dirt from Green Day plays. And <laughs> fucking they're like 35 bucks a pack. Like <laughs> you not they're so expensive. So yeah, if if any if any brand wanted to endorse me, I would definitely want it to be Ernie Ball. I would rather get free strings than free guitars. I swear to God. Dude, yeah, because I feel like you go through strings more than guitars unless you just want to start smashing shit on stage just to smash it. <laughs> well, you, uh, well I mean, does that Jackson, too. <laughs> you want to <laughs> tell him? <laughs> wait, did, wait, wasn't that at the last Orpheum show? Didn't that happen? I think I remember. Uh, I 
oh, last Orpheum show. Oh, the, yeah, the New Year's kickoff, January 7th. Yes. That's, what yes, you that's what, yes, yeah. yes, it was us and uh, Chasey right. Airplane. Yes. And yeah, dude. Kaminar. Yeah, I, and... I, yeah, fuck Kaminar. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, dude, yo, yeah, oh, I yeah, just fucking, they're, they're interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I I hopped off the 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 I hopped off the stage and fucking went nuts on that last E chord at the end of three thousand miles, and I took my bass off my shoulder, and I looked at Mikey. I was like, all right, let's do the big hit, and then I fucking <laughs> I fucking snapped my E string as hard as I could and let my bass fucking fall to the ground, and that's what I do oh, it almost yeah. every now. Dude, if if I ever had the chance to get a new drum set. I would smash the shit. No, I don't know if I would. No, I would. I would. I'd smash the shit out of my set <laughs> just to be like, yeah, I did that. That's awesome, man. That's some, that's like some serious rock star stuff right there. Dude, yeah. I mean, I, I've figured out the optimal way to do it so that like I can I can drop it on the ground and not have to worry about like the neck snapping. So <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely my beater base, but I never want to actually break it, you know? Yeah, that's the thing for for drummers. You know, we're constantly swinging our sticks, so it's like, yeah, we're we're gonna be replacing it. That's the thing you you use the most. Um, yeah. So the the cool thing about I'm gonna uh, kind of like plug here a little bit. The cool thing about collision drumsticks is they they have this super light, fluent feel to them. Like when I'm doing my double strokes or I'm coming up with some ghost notes, it's like nothing's even there. And some drummers like that weight. But for me, I feel like that kind of ends up tiring you out a little bit. But um, big time, yes, exactly. But with it being so light, it's so durable. I'll be sitting there and I'll be just smacking, smacking my cymbals back and forth, you know, all over, over, and then it, it's good. It's good. You know, you may have a small little like you know chip here or there from hitting the cymbal, but you know the stick is sturdy. There's no splinter. There's no split along the uh, the the length of the stick that the um the tips they're they're firm um they only sell wood tips too they don't sell nylon so they you know these guys are really taking the time to make sure that these sticks feel comfortable and hold up to to uh what they're being used for um i am on the first uh tier of their endorsements they have three tiers so they have a cruiser tier a intermediate tier and then a uh international tier um so right now i do get a nice uh discount um between the uh, shipping and the sticks. Um, so I can order, you know, 12 sticks at a time and, you know, get a really good price on them. Whereas going down to the local music shop and getting like two pairs for like 20 bucks or something like that. Um, so that's super nice. And the more I grow as an artist, the more they uh, endorse me, I guess you could say, or the higher the tiers I go. Um, nice. Yeah. So, and then I have a, uh, I'll have an artist page on their website. So you can go to collisiondrumsticks.com, order your products, uh, watch videos on some of their products, and then you can look up all the artists that they have endorsed. And these guys are really doing a good job at pushing their brand because they're endorsing people from Germany, uh, Italy, Japan, uh, Brazil, America. I know uh, a couple drummers uh, that I talked to, actually one, um, uh, I follow him uh, on uh, Instagram and he's endorsed. He's in Tampa and he's endorsed by the brand as well. And uh, some of the guy uh, chasing airplane, chasing airplanes, little lazy and pilot Jones. I've talked to all those guys, uh, Chad, Tyler, um, 
uh, and all the other guys just trying to like tell them, Hey, like if you're looking for a, a good endorsement, these are the guys to look for. And so they're, they're excited to try those out and to try to get on that wave. But yeah, honestly, it's, it's definitely a surreal experience, uh, growing up, uh, as a young kid, uh, or no, I'm still pretty young, but growing up, going to school, I played saxophone. So I played alto, tenor, and baritone sax from sixth grade all the way to 12th grade. But uh, and in middle school and sixth grade, when we got to pick our instruments and in, in my mind, I'm like, oh, you know, I want to do drums. I want to do drums. And the tryout line for drums was insanely long. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to get it in. There's too many kids. I know I know they're they're better than me. So let's just go ahead and, and, and let them do the thing. I picked up saxophone just because, you know, it was fun and my buddy was doing it. So I'm like, yeah, let's let's do this. And I enjoyed it. It was awesome. Uh, I did uh, solos, ensembles, jazz band, symphonic band, concert band, the the whole the whole thing. Didn't do marching band though. My school did not have a marching band, so just wasn't in the cards for me. But uh, so playing saxophone, I really learned uh, just the core elements of music theory: uh, building notes, uh, building rhythm. Uh, t- you know, using your ear. Um, and then when I started going to uh, college uh i took more theory classes more um uh sight singing sight reading classes uh but when i started playing drums uh, actually funny story uh i had a buddy who in in middle school and high school he played drums he was he was a drummer and a friend of ours had a world of warcraft account that was i i I don't play the game too much but i know the account was like super badass like whatever epic bounce all that stuff so he was like, "Hey David, if I trade you my drum set, will you get, will you trade me your World of Warcraft account?" And the guy's like, "Oh hell yeah, no problem." So they make the trade, and David hits me up, and he's like, "Hey man, um, I don't have room for a drum set. Do you want this drum set?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, I want that drum set." So lo and behold, I get this drum set for free, symbols and everything, and I just start just you know playing to the radio, whatever songs came on, just for fun. And then uh, the school I went to was a private school, and they had a youth group, which, you know, not really my thing, but it was fun to get together and hang out with, you know, friends from school or people my age. We'd go out for lunch or dinner afterwards. But anyways, they needed a drummer for youth group, so I started drumming for the youth band. And even, even then, I definitely had a hard rock metal type of drumming because we'd be sitting there you know we'd be drumming you know courses you know light cymbal taps here i am fucking thumping the bass hitting the tongue and they're like hey 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 can you ease up just a little bit (laughs) so so it was it was fun it was fun but uh it didn't it didn't last very long um i uh started uh for fun just on my spare time going to college uh and then buddy uh who hit me up and he was like hey man like i have some friends who i work with uh they play guitar and sing they're looking for a drummer uh do you want to like see what they got i'm like yeah sure so we just kind of got together actually that uh the band was called two for two for the ferryman uh and we still have our album on Bandcamp, and so that was my first official like ep drum recording done by d bloom from pristine audio uh and visual super awesome dude um but yeah so i drummed with them for maybe about a year and then you know went our separate ways broke up uh stuck with college for a bit and then decided to to stop going um i ended up getting cancer uh back in 2015 i'm all good now everything's cool i'm, I'm clean 
uh, remission, all that. But I took a really big hiatus from doing anything drum related. Um, and even at that point, like I never really did lessons. Like I had music theory down. I had an understanding of rhythm, but like just the actual lessons and practice, I didn't have that, that um, routine down. So I kind of just put that on the back burner and just kind of focused on work and just, you know, figuring out, you know, what I want to do. Uh, and then during that time, uh, I had a buddy who's from the basis from my last band two for the Ferryman. Um, he hit me up. He's like, Hey man, uh, we had our drummer dropped out of the gigs we had, you know, get more serious with work and school. Uh, would you be interested in, in drumming for these uh, shows? I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, so both shows were, um, bar gigs and he sends me the set list it is 45 songs of of whatever they play and after i would say it was at least like two years of me not doing anything i'm like all right let's go so i, I sat down I, I i most of the songs i knew i just had to sit down and go through them but i learned the covers learned the originals uh played the shows super fun um and then they asked me to, to stay on so we did that we played together for two more years or i'm sorry three years uh put out an album uh self self-produce uh joe hall the bassist and steve knight the guitarist they did all the the mixing and recording uh the guys did phenomenal um and uh it was super fun to do that so and I, shortly after that um started uh after i'm sorry not shortly after that i would say uh, probably a year after uh we put out that album i started drumming with aaron until now i had a few projects in between there um i drummed with a hardcore band called the cash and we played uh three shows it, it was super fun i enjoyed it but the uh the main guy kind of like aaron how he uh makes all the songs music and all that he ended up getting pretty sick and and dropping out of the uh project and uh put it on the back burner and uh, um, end up actually trying to steal some money from the other guys and me and the band. So we kind of were like, hey, man, not cool. So we we kind of dipped out after that. And then uh, I drummed with a, a rapper for a little bit uh, called Dread Triple Six. And uh, he, he was really cool. He had like that Suicide Boys type feel. Um, but he was trying to do like the full band, but with rap. And it was cool. It was fun. It was a little bit harder for me because you know, playing the backing tracks, you know, listening to a click, things like that. It's something that I normally wasn't um, used to because I'm just either playing by ear or from memory. Um, but as a drummer, when you start getting up to those bigger shows, bigger levels, you realize how important it is to be able to hear those clicks and the and to hear that backing track. Um, but there was one show where this it just did not work. The the house speakers wasn't wasn't like working with whatever equipment he had. So I, I learned quickly then that this might be a little bit out of my wheelhouse so i kind of stepped back from that and um mainly i'm just struggling with till now so it's it's awesome that collision really takes the time to look for these artists because they reached out to me they they actually they liked some of my videos they messaged me they're like hey listen we really like what you're doing uh you know check out check out our endorsements and i looked at the requirements and i was like hey like this is awesome but i don't meet some of these requirements uh whether it's uh uh, different followers, videos, things like that. And they're like, no, no, like we, you know, we want you to apply. So it's awesome. These guys really take the time to put in um, the care and attention to some of these smaller artists and to really put them in the spotlight. So the fact that I have my own artist page on their website, they put my music on a playlist. It's, it's phenomenal. I really do feel like it's like a surreal moment to go from 
a kid playing saxophone in high school and not really knowing what he wants to do with music to like feeling like, all right, I have a direction. I have a path. Let's stick with it. Let's put in the work. So the endorsement's fun. Uh, I recommend anyone to please check out their drumsticks or their website. Um, and yeah. Wow, I mean, you kind of you kind of answered a lot of questions I was going to I was going to ask by yourself. <laughs> I just went off. Yeah, man. My, my bad, my bad. I got into it. No, you're that, was a, that was a whole ass soliloquy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good though. I like when people actually talk. So tell me about yourself. Even, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, but um, I I really feel like if you're going to be somebody that regularly gigs as a drummer, it's kind of a necessity to get endorsed by a drumstick company because man, like if you're doing like even say like two gigs a week, you're probably going through some broken sticks and stuff, much less if you're like touring or something like that, I get expensive real fucking quick. Oh yeah, definitely. I can't imagine uh being on tour and not having something or something breaks and you're like ah there's been a couple times where luckily i've I've had like a you know spare snare or something but be at a gig and something breaks and you're like oh i'm so glad i had a spare because for some musicians you know what they have is what they have so they really try to make it last and so yeah it's it's really awesome to be able to have um that support from them hell yeah so i was also i was also a drummer in a youth band (laughs) <laughs> yes crazy, crazy enough um i was a drummer in in my youth group band for i think a couple years and so i definitely understand because i i learned how to play drums by playing along to like green day songs yes so so man they got fucking pissed at me dude <laughs> jesus going punk, punk rot in the pulpit over here <laughs> i'm god <laughs> you're so right um but the funny part is after a little while um after a little while the uh the youth that or sorry the um the leader of the of the band uh he went to some other church i i forget what happened with him he left is my point and um i had just graduated high school and um i was still i was still pretty young i graduated early this isn't me bragging. It's just a fact about me. <laughs> I'm a smart kid. I, no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I graduated. I graduated when I was like 16, and I uh, that guy had left, and they were like, "All right, do you want to be like a youth leader now and like take charge of the band?" And I had nothing else to do, so I was like, "Yeah, I guess." So then I started leading the band. And that just made it worse. Conductors wand and all that. <laughs> well, I mean, by leading the band, I mean I was like I was playing guitar and I was like the lead singer and I would pick out the songs and stuff like that. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. So that was um that was a blast. I, I found like the most obnoxious Christian songs I could. Uh, <laughs> and I would like, dude, I can't tell you how many times the youth pastor was like. Hey, I really appreciate what you're doing, man. But can you like pull back a little bit? And I was like, Yeah, yeah. for sure, no, totally. And then I come back next week with like a new pedal. <laughs> Should just start like speaking in tongues on stage and swing your guitar around. Like I feel the spirit. <laughs> you're you're good, dude. Jesus loves me, Ghost Gent. Dude, you have no idea. 
<laughs> yes, let's go. Uh, I also I played um, in like my big boy church band is what I called it the big boy church because uh, it was just you know like actual regular Sunday church. Um, yes, and I pissed people off there too. Uh, I started I started playing drums because that was my first instrument. My dad's a drummer, and we already had oh, cool. a drum set set up in the house. And I started like screwing around with it when I was like six, and I was able to hold down like. A really basic beat but i never really got good at it until yeah. like i was 12 that's when i started like actually taking it seriously i, think <laughs> yeah, time, I actually yeah. tried <laughs> yeah i wasn't i wasn't just playing a four on the floor acdc beat like i was actually trying to do stuff um yes. and uh where was i going with this oh yeah um when i was about 14 i think is when i started playing drums in the church band and it was just like Whenever I wanted to, really, because my dad was a normal drummer. So every couple weeks, I'd be like, hey, hey, dad, can I you know, go up there and play drums? And uh, yeah. man, uh, I still wasn't like a super confident drummer at that point. So I was pretty like I was pretty held back when I was up there. But man, like a year later, <laughs> I had the I had the worship leader like stopping the song to be like, what are you doing? Ah, uh, yes. No, that's one thing was, uh, a lot a lot of people ask me is, uh, you know, talking about like confidence or like, you know, when you perform so many shows, you're like, do you get nervous? Do you get nervous? And uh, the answer is yes. At every show, I am nervous because you're thinking about this part or what if this happens or there's been one time where I've actually a few times I could say that the drum set that I told you I got for free, I'm still using. That is, that is my drum set that I have. I have not gotten a new drum set at all. This drum set's like 20 plus years old. So anyways, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So the, one of the Tom arms is a little, little slick, a little wore down. So you really got to screw in that, that key, that wing nut to really keep it on. So anyways, I'm sitting there, hit my Tom's, hit my Tom's playing the show. And all of a sudden, I go to do a roll, and right when I hit that tom, boom, it falls off mid-roll. So I'm like, ah, shit. So I just got to sit there and keep keep going, keep doing. And in, in your mind, that's like the worst-case scenario. You know, a head snaps, something falls off, and you got to readjust your beat. So yeah. as, long, as long as that doesn't happen, it's a pretty good show. Um, there was one time, I, it was uh, senior year in uh, high school, and I had a solo for tenor sax on this really nice, like, elegant piece it was kind of somber some i can't remember the piece name but the the solo had this super high note for tenor sax first off and then went down into the into the melody and i just remember like and they made us stand up for our solos so there's a big you know big group of us well i wouldn't say big we probably had like 20 30 people in our our symphonic band so i go to stand up i take a breath and the first note and I just fucking squeak horribly. And I'm just like, oh my God. And so they record, I don't know how, I don't know how we got a freaking superior for our, for our piece. So I'm like, thank God. But they, they had the recording and we played it back on the bus on the way back to the hotel. That squeak could break glass. Like I kid you not. It was the worst like sounding note in my saxophone career. But uh, it's funny over time, you build that confidence. Like you said, like, you know, you're, you, you gain the ability, you gain the, the know-how and then, you know, you start just going crazy and you start adding stuff. So it's funny how like common that like starting point can be like you're in a youth group and you're kind of like 
playing some soft songs and all of a sudden, you know, a couple months pass and you're sitting there like, what's that one drummer, the drummer that's at the wrong gig and he's sitting there playing on his stick. So oh, yeah. sharp dressing, <laughs> end up doing that. So, but yeah, man, it was, it was, uh, it was fun. Um, being able to, to do that and perform at a young age and get that kind of like under your belt, as far as like, if you make a mistake, you kind of keep going and, uh, and youth group or church bands aren't necessarily that serious, but they definitely like to make the music appealing to the Lord's ears. If you would. <laughs> yeah. It, it rubbed off on me a lot more than I thought it did. Um, be, being, uh, playing in a worship band for so long. Um, because I, I was playing in uh, in the church band for four years, whether it be drums or bass oh, wow. or guitar, I yeah. I was I was up there almost every week doing something, um, nice. and <laughs> I had I had no idea how how much it rubbed off on me until uh, someone pointed it out to me, and they were like. You know, you kind of have like a you kind of have like a a worship leadery vibe on stage. I was like, do I really? And then, and then I start looking back on some pictures, and I'll see pictures of me like one hand grabbing the microphone, the other hand like lifted in the air. There you <laughs> go. Like, oh my god! Oh my god! I'm I really a feel God in this chilies tonight. I really feel God in this chilies tonight. I first of all, absolute. No, no, the, the worst part, the, the worst thing that I ever did, the most youth pastory thing I ever did, um, Send and Delete played a Valentine's Day show. Um, I think not, not this last Valentine's Day, but the, the one before. Um, and uh, we did this really cool thing where right before we played 3,000 Miles, which is always our closer, um, we, uh, everyone hopped off stage. Uh, except for Jonas, uh, who played on an acoustic guitar. He just played a little love song. Then I came up and played a little love song. Then Egan came up and did it. And then we all got back up and played 3,000 miles. It was a really cute moment. Um, <laughs> and we had the place packed. It was, it was, like, it was really, really, really cute. It was really sweet. Um, but I played this song called Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie. It's my favorite oh, love yeah. song of all time. Uh, <laughs> And it has a very, like, there, there's a section where it just repeats the line, I need you so much closer, over and over again. So I encouraged everybody to sing along. And oh, without, yeah. without even thinking about it, I, it didn't even register in my mind until someone pointed it out to me after I, after I was done. I said these words, word for word. Come on, lift those heavenly voices. Those words came out of my mouth. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Some people were like, "Wait, what?" Oh, they tricked us. This is a meeting. No, <laughs> dude, that's it's muscle memory, man. Yeah, uh, I went to a private school for like 15 years. So every so Wednesday, was a, yeah, there you go. Wait, wait, which school? Uh, I went to Grace Christian School in Hudson, Florida. Oh, Grace! I went to Sefner Christian. Yeah, we definitely played sports. Oh, really? uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I probably creamed your school in ba- or in volleyball, dude. I didn't doubt it. I played more soccer personally, but dude, that's hilarious. Uh, Small freaking world. Yeah, yeah so man. you know, you know how it is. Chapel on Wednesdays or whatever, and you you have the 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 pastor up there or whoever, and he's like, "All right, yeah. let's make let's make this sound good." Or you know, dude, that's hilarious. I totally understand that. I I definitely feel you on that one. <laughs> 
So um, not a lot of people know this about me because you know I'm I'm a degenerate tattooed hardcore kid right now, but I used to teach Sunday school in high school because I because oh. I went to I went to a private school and I was in National Honor Society because I used to be a good apple, and I always got my Ew. service hours by teaching little kids and yeah um. Yeah, it was it was kind of hell because I had to get up every day at like seven a.m. Not every day, yeah. but Sundays, and like and like I'd always have like basketball games or wrestling or football on like Friday or Saturday and shit. So I was just miserable. Yeah. But yeah, I it made me think I wanted to go into teaching, but then I realized I hate kids, dude. So <laughs> I my my favorite 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 teacher of all time is my band director, Mr. Smith. And he is the reason why I thought, you know what, I could go and, and be a teacher. So I was I was in college to be a, a music teacher. Um, and as I got older and, you know, that grumpy man mentality kicks in, you're like, I do not like kids. They're screaming, they're yelling, they're energetic, <laughs> they're, they're a responsibility. And it's like, I don't know if I could do now. Honestly, what it is, it's, it's the money. There's no money in teaching, sadly. But, uh, but yeah, having, having a cool, uh, uh, parental figure or cool adult, uh, you know, in the vicinity definitely made things a lot better, whether it's band or, you know, going to school and having all these uptight, like religious folks. So that's so funny that you, that you said you, you taught us Sunday school. I would have probably thought you were the coolest guy ever, to be honest. Uh, but then you didn't really have like the tattoos or anything like that back then. But no, nah, man, that's hilarious. Every, all these different, um, uh like religious backgrounds coming coming full circle to these guys who are tattooed playing punk rock music saying fuck you <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> yeah it's it's just a whole different world to be honest like i would have never thought i ended up to be this person i am now from that shit because like college just completely changed me as who i am as a person and just the real world and shit but I yeah. really want to I really want to get to this because um, we're running out of time and I know Rumble has like band practice and shit at some yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I I know that me and you, Justin, like the same music. I'm going to I'm going to see you at the Fit for a King show on Wednesday, right? Oh, hell yes. I'm so pumped. I am, too. Like, I have. I think. I have never shot a favorite. <laughs> this is gonna sound bad. I'm sorry, Rumble, but I've never shot a favorite band of mine before. Like one that I regularly <laughs> <Wow>. listen to. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> like I've like I just want like to me a big dream is to shoot like the Devil Wears Prada or Dayseeker oh, yes. or like Monster Flames and stuff like that. And like Fit for King is like the first step towards that, and I'm so fucking excited. When I saw that you uh, you shared that post, I was like, yo, that, or actually when you messaged me, I was like, yo, that is fucking sick. Because in, in my eyes, that you've made it. Like, once you, once you shoot a band that is touring, not only nationally, but internationally, dude, that like, we were talking about, about reach and, and media, your, your photos are going to be viewed by probably realistically millions of people so dude that's so freaking cool i'm so freaking stoked uh to see you in action uh, i'm really hoping uh tuck does some really cool bayblade bayblade bass spins for you 
Uh, yeah, I'm definitely gonna. I'm definitely gonna stay on like the left side of the stage or wherever he is, just to yes. just in, just in case, because that could be some cool shit. But like, um, but what I was getting to is like, who have you been listening to lately? Ooh, all right. So right now, man, that is a good question. I, I usually am on point with this, but I'm really really trying to stretch out and listen to new music. Um. Oh, okay. Well, the big one on everyone's mind right now, Sleep Token. Like they, they've, they, I've listened to their previous album. Definitely good. Definitely atmospheric. But the singles they just put out, Chef Kisses, phenomenal. They hit every spot just right. Um, uh, Invent Animate has a uh, new album coming out. Uh, their new song um, was it Emulsion Emulsion of the Night? I don't know the first word. I'm sorry, but their new single they just put out is awesome they have like this really like slow degenti breakdown and they kind of bring it back a little bit slower but these guys are also from australia like north plain and alpha wolf two other bands who are phenomenal and i'm excited to see wednesday um but these australian bands polaris north lane um alpha wolf they've been coming out with these real like metalcore like kind of like busy sections where there's a lot going on then they just break down into these heavy ass fucking breakdowns and i love it um and then one more uh band that i've been listening to who actually uh well it's i guess more like a solo artist he put out uh music with surgeons uh reflections the uh artist's name is jake but the uh the band name is reflections and this guy has the nastiest drum fills the sickest guitar tones like if you want some like make a mean face and break a wall type music listen to reflections uh sadist is my personal favorite he has this triple like little like tri tom hit that he does in the middle of the section it's like doo, 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 boom, doo, 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 uh it's it's sick it's sick so yeah uh invent anime uh alpha wolf reflections sleep token north lane era um all those guys really on the top of my list right now um but i'm i'm really trying to find some new 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 local like like very underground stuff. Tactosa is coming up super, super big. I played a show with them at uh, the Noise Box when I was in uh, Nakash. And those guys, they brought the freaking heat and they're doing phenomenal. They're uh, going on tour soon and they're going to be just racking in the uh, the views and the fans. I know it. They're going to do a great job. So that's, that's what I've been uh, listening to lately. You know who you should check out. This, I've been steadily. I, I did a review on it. That's going to come out soon. I've been steadily bumping it nonstop. Is Periphery Five? Gent is not a genre. It's so fucking good, dude. Like the songs are like ten minutes long, but they fit like five songs into ten minutes within one song, and they just it. do the craziest fucking shit. Like especially since you like drums and shit. Like the instrumentals are just like out of this world and they have the production on point like those oh, guys yeah. are fucking kings of metal like no doubt about it they're not like underground or whatever but like no, I, 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 I haven't seen anybody them. talking about it at all and i'm like this is the greatest fucking album one of the greatest fucking albums i've heard I've I've had someone mention them to me before. I was at a show once, and they had a periphery shirt, and they're like, "Yo, you, you need to check." I was actually there to see Northlane, and they're like, "Yo, if you like like Northlane, you should check these guys out." And I just saw a TikTok video of someone doing like guitar tabs to what you just talked about, and uh, yeah, I have to check that out because if if it's already getting like 
some some heat on social media, you know it's you know it's good. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, we're kind of reaching the hour point. Um, Rumble, did you have anything else you wanted to ask? No, I don't think so. I always, I do always love the sections where we say like, "What have you been listening to lately?" Because <laughs> these past two times, uh, these past two interviews have both mentioned Sleep Token, and I think that's really <laughs> funny. Yes, yes. No, they have a cover of Hey Ya, which I think they released in like. They really? Dude, I want to say it's 2018. It might be a little bit sooner. But because I mentioned it earlier because it's a sad song. These guys actually make it a sad song. Like, you know, the Outcast originally, you know, has the upbeat, boom, 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 you know. But right. Sleep Token, like, I honestly, if I remember correctly, because I listened to it a, a couple weeks ago, it's just piano. It's piano and him. And, yo, he makes me want to cry. Someone told me awesome. – hey, uh, I saw a meme. It was like sleep tokens, just uh, Sam Smith, the gent. <laughs> That's basically what it sounds like. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out. Maybe, yeah. maybe oh. one of these days, Jackson and I will interview someone <laughs> who I can actually talk to about what what we've been listening to lately. Man, I've just, <laughs> I've just never been like metal is sick. Metal is super cool. I've just, it's never really been really my thing you know i feel like it's a little bit of an acquired taste because when i was younger what got me into it was the drums and the guitar you know just awesome right. sounding fast sections but then like you know as you get older and you start listening to lyrics or different things you're like wow these guys are spitting some real shit like i relate so it's, mm-hmm. it's cool to see how your taste in music evolves as you get older um but uh, some of those things just stick around forever and metal and hardcore definitely will be one of those things for me Okay, For here's sure. what I'm here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to um I'm going to make an official this ain't a scene, it's a podcast introduction to metal playlist. And I'm gonna give you Rumble a uh, a homework assignment where you listen oh, to God. a playlist I make for you and then we discuss <laughs> like your thoughts on it. And oh, God. That, that sounds really fun though, and like maybe you can make one of like emo shit for me or whatever and we can make them public so like Perfect. if somebody if somebody hasn't listened to metal before, but they listen to emo music, they can check out metal. Or if somebody has, has is like a metal fan, but isn't really that into like Rumble's Death Cab for Cutie Modern Baseball type shit, um, you can check that out. So I think that's a fun idea that we'll play with. So that is a fun idea. You take the song that you talk about, or the songs that you talk about, one metal, hardcore, one emo, punk, and you get someone to mash it up. At at the at the end and see if it works or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does sound fun. Well, um, well, anyway, so this is kind of weird because you kind of like I know that Aaron writes the songs and stuff, but I always ask what um what is your best sales pitch to check you out? But I'll add the qualifier to check out your drumming content or check out like a live till now show like your best sales pitch oh oh my best sales pitch um shoot if you want to go out have a fun time but also be in your feels where you can disassociate for a minute and contemplate that one time that you picked that lollipop up off the ground licked it and wondering if anyone saw you that's a till now show (laughs) 
We've all been there. <laughs> no, it's 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 fun. If honestly, if you want to come out and hear something that familiar but it's fresh, uh, till now is is that we we try to make every show a fun show. We put in our energy. Uh, we really try to connect with everyone who's there. So if you just want to go out and just experience local music in its pure, purest form and its funnest form, come out, check out till now because you might only have till now to see us. Ooh. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was smooth as fuck. I think that's the best one I've heard so far, to be honest. Now I gotta go Hell see yeah. him. You earned it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, anyways, thanks for coming on, Justin. Thanks for joining me, Rumble. Yes, sir.